welcome to Pretty Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every other week I sit down with a stunning expert to talk all things beauty, skincare, hair care, makeup, self-care, and beyond. This week, we're speaking with actress, producer, ballroom legend, and beauty icon, Trace Lissette. She recently starred in the film Monica. As a woman who returns home to care for her dying mother... When the film premiered in 2022, she became the first openly trans actress to lead a film in competition at the Venice Film Festival, the oldest film festival in the world. Monica received an interim agreement from SAG-AFTRA in August that allows Trace to discuss it with us today. If you cannot wait to hear that convo, head to the episode description for more info on how far to skip ahead. So just, you know, look down there and you'll see the time marker and where we tell you to skip ahead and get your life there. But if you want to see what we're doing here first, it's time for a Get Ready With Me segment. Okay, this week for body care, this is an oldie but a goodie for me, you guys. This company is called Herbivore. They do skincare, body care, bath stuff. I'm holding it now. Let me give you some ASMR. I often get scared when I travel with this that they're going to think it's cocaine, but it's really just coconut hydrating milk bath soak. It's this white powder. It comes in a glass jar. I love to take baths with this. The ingredients are sodium bicarbonate, cocos nucifera. It's just coconut fruit powder. There's coconut extract and then vanilla. Yeah, vanilla fruit oil. So it's like a really clean formula. There's there's not too much in it. But what I love about the Herbivore Coconut Hydrating Mouth Bath Soak is that when I take a bath with this, I don't have to put on lotion afterwards. Like your skin is so hydrated, so gorgeous, but not slippery. It's just really beautiful. It's really relaxing. I find that my skin gets a little bit confused. I get more prone to psoriasis outbreaks. I get more prone to just, which actually I'm just getting over a psoriasis flare up. So I'm feeling so much better. But my skin just gets really dry during seasonal changes. So I love a hydrating bath and then not having to like soak myself in lotion afterwards. So that's my body care wreck of the week. I've been using this stuff for years. I love this company, Herbivore. They're amazing. And I'm actually going to give you guys a, another bath soak wreck in a couple episodes because, uh, but I don't want you guys to have to wait that long. Just look up Pursoma as well. I love Pursoma. You guys are amazing. Small company. Love their bath soaks. Okay, moving on. Skincare. Skincare wreck of the week. Honey, David E., Literally rocking our world. Good light. The Moon Glow Milky Toning Lotion. So gorgeous, you guys. I've been using it. They sent me a new bottle when we recorded a few weeks ago. The consistency is so beautiful. It has this like kind of milky consistency, but I just want to show you on my arm. It is just so hydrating. It's so light. It just gives you like more vitality. It's really beautiful. It's not greasy. I'll show you in a few minutes so you can see is it is it last. But the ingredients in this are just incredible. I've been loving what it's been doing to my pores. Because really what a toner is meant to do, if you don't know what a toner is for, so obviously when you're cleaning your skin, you're cleaning your skin. And when you wash your face, you want to make sure that you're washing it for at least 60 seconds. But what a toner is going to do out of the shower and is the first layer of your skincare routine, it reminds me of that old commercial, like the, the scrubbing bubbles for like the bathroom cleaner. It's just getting in the pores and it's clearing out any crud or excess stuff that's been left behind that your face wash didn't get. It's kind of hard to like disappear your pores, but if you have a lot of excess oil, sebum, or debris makeup left in your pores, that can make your pores look bigger and more inflamed. So toner is good because it's going to help to reduce the size of your pores by kind of helping to clarify any excess muck in there. So I love what David E. did with this formula. It is gorgeous. Try it out. I also love a little another ASMR moment. 
The glass container is stunned. It really feels nice in the hand. I think it's a great price point. $22. This is going to last you like a good six months. Like it lasts a long time. So I think this is totally worth it. I love it. It's amazing. Get it. It's, it's a fire sale. Just get into it yesterday. Hair Care Wreck of the Week, non-JVN hair, another oldie but a goodie, Tancho Stick. Okay, this is actually what I have in my hair today to create this slick back look. So a lot of times, you guys, when I'm doing my slick back looks, I will base my hair with like JVN hair air dry cream. And then I will use the Tancho Stick over that. I kind of like Tancho Stick even more than hairspray because it's like a pomade stick. Because it's a pomade, it just kind of like sticks the hair together a little bit more than a hairspray. I feel like a hairspray sits on top of the hair, but this gets like in and amongst the hair and it really like pulls it together. I also really like this like... If you blow your hair out and you do like kind of a 90s blow dry or like some waves in your hair, you know how like on clean hair, it's a little puffy or it doesn't have that like lived in look. It's just like a little bit puffier. I really like the Tancho stick to give like a more polished shine lived in look, but it doesn't make the hair like greasy, but a little bit goes a long way. Like I'll just kind of scrape my pinky nail across the top. It, it looks like a push up pop. You guys, it's kind of like those like push up pops. That's like what it's like. Uh, you scrape your pinky across. It's got a nice clean scent. It's been around for 10,000 years. I've been using this product since I was like an assistant in LA in like 2009. This scent that I like is the lavender one. I wonder what this price point is for a Tancho stick. Eight bucks. It lasts forever. It's also good for men with like short hair or anyone who has short hair. If you just like want a little PCness, a little texture, it's just like a great multi-purpose pomade and I love it. So that's really good. Also, if you're curious about my eyeshadow social, this is uh, Norvina, which is Anastasia's daughter. And I just did this little like orange graphic eye because honestly, I was late and I didn't have time to do more. Ugh. For our final moment, Patrick Ta, you guys, this little skin coverage that I have today, this is Patrick's face foundation. It also has a setting powder in it. I just love this stuff. It's got some really gorgeous skincare ingredients in it. It's really seamless. I'm a really big fan of Patrick. I love his line. He's just incredible. If you are looking for a buildable foundation that still lets your skin breathe, but if you want like full, full coverage, you can just like build it more. I don't typically do full coverage. I like a little bit of like my skin to shine through, but... It still allows me to do that with just like, you know, a little layer of application. So I love Patrick Ta's line. I love it's his four face cream foundation and finishing powder duo. So you have both together. Come on, Patrick. Not only are you gorgeous, uh, but you also are highly talented. So good for you, Patrick. Okay, so beauty news and hot takes. My sense is, you guys, I feel like I am seeing a... Very like 90s nostalgia, a little bit less severe, less edgy. It's a little bit like more girl next door. Like I just, I feel like I'm seeing more like long layers, like softer, very like Los Angeles type hair. So, but you know, I'm not a trend queen. I like to do what makes you feel confident, what makes you feel good. I'm kind of on this like hair growth journey. I've had my hair a little shorter for the last few years and I'm kind of thinking like, how long until I like don't have hair? So like, let me just have really long hair again. So I'm, just, I'm personally growing my hair out right now. But what are y'all doing? We want to know what your what are your trends? What are you seeing? We want to know. Leave it in our comments on our social post for this. Also, you can submit your questions for Pretty Curious on AskJVN.com. So if you have any beauty questions, let's get into that. And also, you know, if you want to get sexier and you have $3.99 and you want to go into the paywall, get into our AskJVN life. It's giving like talk sex with Sue Johansson, except for I'm way less qualified and I'm not a doctor. Um, I'm just, you know, a slut who has a lot of opinions. So, you know, take that with what you will. 
But without further ado, let's get to our conversation with actress, producer, and overall legend, Trace Lissette. Trace Lissette, welcome to Pretty Curious. How are you? Hi, honey. I'm good. How are you? I'm really good. And I feel like people may not know, but I've had the pleasure of knowing you for like, like, I feel like I've known you for a long time. I feel like I, I w- it's giving me like eight years or something. Yeah, it's been probably eight, seven, eight years, right? Because I left LA in 2016, but I was living in Los Feliz for the last couple years of that. But I remember when Johnny introduced us, I think I was living in Culver City, which I left that apartment mm. a week after the election of 2016. I remember it like okay. yesterday. So that means it was before 2016. Yeah, definitely pre-Hollywood in some ways. I'm so lucky that I get to know you. I, I just, I'm so lucky. And also I just have to say, cause I haven't gotten to talk to you. I'm just, I mean, we DM and we like, I follow all of the things and I'm just, I gotta say. I know. And you send me your luxurious shampoo, which I love oh. by the way. I use it all the time. Oh my God. And your hair looks so good. Oh my God. That makes me so happy. But I just, I just am so proud of you and I love you so much. And I'm so excited. I just am so excited for you. And I'm so excited that people got to see what you are. Monica is just incredible. And mm. I haven't gotten to like gush on you yet in public, I'm just really fucking proud of you. Thank you, babe. Thank you so much. Yeah, Monica was a labor of love. You know, it's it's taken about a decade for me to get the shot to show the world my chops and finally lead a film. So it just feels feels sweet in a lot of ways. In other ways, it feels like a hard-fought win. And, uh, you know, I guess it's on God's time, not my time. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm trying to stay in the love as my sister Laverne says. (laughs) Absolutely. I I feel what you're saying. And I write and do a lot of comedy about like duality. And Mm -hmm. it's, there's just. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's life. It really keeps us flexible as Nadia Comaneci emotionally and mentally. In 1972, honey, before the growth spurt, when no one was stepping to Miss Nadia. Right. Wait, was that before her perfect 10 or after? No, that was during, yeah. 72 was Olga Corbett. 76 was Nadia Comaneci. And then in 80 was the boycotted games. It was like the all-communist games. And Nadia had had this growth spurt. And she got like second and third and everything. And 80 is like the defending champion because she, you know, she got a little Dominic Mochianu in like, you know, 96, 98. I, am a, I went deep on a Wikipedia. I'm going to go away from that now. But anyway, <laughs> if people follow you on Instagram, uh, which they should, uh, or just know of your work, you are so stunningly beautiful and you are I don't know how it's possible but it is true that you are like you're stunning on camera but in real like in in all the ways you're just so stunning so what's it like Mm. to get ready with Traceless Set like is there a little thing that you're super obsessed with right now like and also what's like a general getting ready with Traceless Set like well first of all thank you for that compliment people you know I've been thinking about this a lot lately sorry to to not get to the products right away but like I'm just thinking about beauty and and how for a while, I don't know, people have often thrown around that word stunning and, and bombshell when, when they talk about me. But I think it's this very weird, again, duality that I sit in as a transsexual woman because in some ways that still has not been accepted by the mainstream. So it's it might appear as one thing on the outside, where in reality, I, I sit here and wonder why I why I can't get a branding deal to save my life, you know, why I can't find a husband, mm. you know, and I think a lot of that has to do with being this kind of forbidden fruit. And so it is bittersweet because it feels it feels nice when people say, oh, you're beautiful, you're stunning, you're sexy, whatever. But lately I'm like, 
questioning what even what even do those compliments mean if all of the things that normally come with those compliments don't come with those compliments. Have have our had not I love how I get so codependent so fast. Have we submitted the headshots to like Wilhelmina and the IMG and like just like the you are a model. She's a full high fashion model and everyone knows it. I think it's two parts. And yes, we have explored modeling. I was with a, a boutique modeling agency for over a year in New York City, one of the best ones actually, and didn't land a single gig. I think it's two parts. I think it's the trans thing. And I also think it's the curvy thing because I have a like a, you know, kind of like a 1950s bombshell kind of shape. And I've, I, I mean, we're coming up on a hundred year anniversary of that term, blonde bombshell being coined for, I guess it was Harlow, Jean Harlow, then Marilyn Monroe after, and Jane Mansfield. And I've kind of just been waiting for that to come back around in style, but I feel like it's still not the in thing. Mm. Yeah. So I think, I think about that a lot. I think about where, where the roadblock is, the glass ceiling, all of that, what it means to be a vivacious kind of baboon transsexual woman in today's marketplace. And is that marketable? And how many other, you know, facets of me do people need to see in order for it to be digestible or marketable? But I am, I am kind of a tomboy, surprise, surprise. Like I shoot hoops. I go to the track. I work out like five, five or six days a week for not just, you know, for for my physical, but for my mental health, because I do try to find like natural ways to cope with some of my, I guess, my mental health journey. And I I think for me, natural is better. And working out and those endorphins that I get from that tend to be the best thing. So I do like a clean, fresh look. I don't really go for full coverage unless I'm doing like a red carpet. And even then, sometimes I don't, I don't really go for all of the coverage. I like dewy, glossy skin. I'm obsessed with this Fenty Beauty Rose Rave Diamond Balm. That's probably what you see on my cheeks. My average day is just some mascara and some Chanel concealer and, you know, a bun. Are you a sunscreen queen? I am a sunscreen queen, yes. There's this one that I spray on. I would have to go get it for you. Um, Because the skin is just giving protected, even, gorgeous, no sun damage. Sun, I don't know her. Like, (laughs) yes. And also, sidebar, your athletic content. Because, you know, I love a little gymnastics moment. I love my little tennis, my little pickleball moments on social. I just love your athletics, and I just love it. And how do you sprint like that? And did you watch the World Championships? Because I was all over the World Track Championships this year for the first time ever. It was all Shakari for me. Yeah, I live for Shakari. I live for all of those ladies. I live for Shelly Ann Fraser Price. Ah! She's like 30, what, 36, 8, something like that, you know, and just mommy rocket, still running 10 sixes in the 100. Track was my first love. I mean, it was my first love. I wanted to be a track star. And um, Flojo was my icon growing up. And I mean, I had long nails like her in high school and... I don't know. I just wanted to, I just, she's the most beautiful woman to me ever. She's still the lock screen on my phone. <laughs> oh. You know, it's just very nostalgic for me. So yes, I get all into the world championships, especially with the ladies and Shakari delivered this year and I live for her. I, I just feel her soul in her whole journey. 
But I live for all of those ladies. Sharika Jackson's amazing. Oh. She's really approaching Flojo's record in the 200, which I'm excited to see. Yeah, I saw I'm that. Sure. Sometimes I do a little sports play-by-play on my stories because I think if I wasn't acting, maybe I would be a sports announcer of some sort. A commentator, Trace Lissette, is I'm really here for that. <laughs> okay, so Flojo, I, I will say, um, it's making sense to me now. Like your like sense of fashion and like gorgeousity of skin is giving me like professional gorgeous superstar like athlete who then became an actress. Mm. Also, you've gone lighter with your hair sidebar, I feel like. I feel like you like were giving me like brunette. Yeah, I was brunette, brunette and curly. You know, I was giving you my Italian side for years. And now I don't know, I'm embracing this blonde. And I like to play with colored shampoo, you know, manic panic dyes and all of that. And I would love to get more daring with my hair for red carpets and stuff. I think sometimes I'm just like still trying to find my go-to person for you know, hair and makeup and like put together my whole team so it's a well-oiled machine. And I, I guess, I don't know, I'm still, I'm still waiting for my for my moment when I can figure all that out. Oh my, I got Rex. I actually have one hair guy that I, I actually love. I just need, yeah, I need a reason to use him more. Yeah. So maybe this year with Monica, I don't, we'll see what happens this award season. Yeah. Let's manifest. <sighs> I'm manifesting so hard, my nipples almost just fell off. <laughs> I have a twofold question here, which is like, what's your beauty philosophy and how do you practice that day to day? How does that express itself in terms of like, I think we already got skincare, but like hair care, body care, like what are the things that you are just like really into, really love, swear by, keeping in mind that, you know, there are probably cisheads that listen to this, so you're really good secrets. You don't have to fucking tell anybody, okay? You can keep your, whatever are really good shit, but, but just anything you feel like sharing, you know, no pressure, I'm giving the really good stuff. Okay, so I'm I'm really into skincare. I mean, that's the foundation for me. I I have this, L'Oreal Age Perfect moisturizer that I slather on has SPF. I think it's the one that Viola Davis is in the commercials for. I don't know. I saw it one day and I just became obsessed with it because it smells good. It tastes good. And it has sunscreen in it. Don't ask me why I know it tastes good. No, but I've had people kiss me and tell me it tastes good. I also like, I also like to exfoliate. I cannot stand dead skin. So I exfoliate everything like sugar scrubs on my body. I like Joanna Vargas, turmeric exfoliation mask it is worth the 70 bucks or whatever um i did a short film years ago with Sosha mamet and evan her husband and they got me this little care package that they left in the hotel for me and it had this exfoliator and i used it before i went on camera and i couldn't believe that my skin was just like glass it was just it was spotless so texture wise that's what I, i i fall in love with and I like the good old gold can L'Oreal brushable hairspray. I like a brushable. I Elnet. I literally have my Elnet right here. Ah, this staple. Everybody, everybody knows <laughs> the Elnet. You know what? Did you know it's like a really good trick for this? You spray it and then you use the can to like rub it on your hairline to smooth it. Like yes, I've seen people do that. Yeah, I love that. It's like such a rub little me trick. With the can. Rub it with the can. Joanna Vargas. She also has really good. Um, eye patches she did and then what was I going to say about exfoli 
Uh, how often? Like, do you, are you like a once a week queen? Like, do we do it all the time? What's your deal? I'm a twice a week exfoliation queen. And even on the days when I'm not doing the Joanna Vargas exfoliator, I'll do just like a good washcloth with Cetaphil to just get it reset. Yes. Cetaphil's a classic too. So recommended. I don't know if you saw, this is like a slight brouhaha on TikTok. How on TikTok are you? Oh my God, I have tried on TikTok. I try, but I don't think I'm very good at it. I tried to do a day at the track. It's so, I left it up. I did like a come to the track with me. I love and that. And I started to film and literally I was doing my warm up. I, I sat the camera down and I was filming my warm up. And then I got back and I was like, I don't want to do this. So, so I just edited it into the video like, <laughs> oh my God, I hate this. I stopped. And <laughs> post. <laughs> that's cute. That's cute. But that's personality. People love that. But there was this big brouhaha on TikTok that I saw where like Hoda copy and they were, they were talking on the today show about like, if people wash their legs in the shower or not. And I think Hoda was like, Oh, I don't really wash mine. Cause doesn't the soap just kind of like roll down there. And then someone else was like, and then she's like, wait, you all wash your legs really hard. Like you were like, I was like, I was like, yeah, I feel like I do. I do. I wash my legs. You want you want you well, wash your legs I do in the because shower? I use like a sugar scrub or I shave, and I'm so I'm usually doing one or the other. So there's getting it's getting some exfoliation and some and some water and some lathering going on. Um, but I I have heard people say that, and I try to you know hey to each their own. So what is it? So I feel like if you had to give like an elevator pitch of your beauty philosophy, but it can be more than two sentences. Like what is your beauty philosophy? I would say more and more it's go with your feeling. It's uh, depends on how much energy you have to put into whatever is going to make you feel good that day. So if to, if that day you're feeling effortless and washed face and moisturized and supple and that's a little mascara and that's all you want to do, then do that. But uh, if it's a day when you feel like going over the top or giving a look or making bitches mad, then go with that. And And I, like most people, you know, I feel different on different days. And I think that's okay. I think that you should have fun with it and also do according to what you can and, you know, have the effort to do. Mm. Uh, because let's, let's be real, being femme sometimes is a lot. Being a girl is a lot, you know. It's, uh, some days I don't want to do it. Some days it's just a bun and some Jordans and my jeans and I'm hitting it to what, do whatever I got to do. But other days I, I want to, you know, make bitches mad. I want to make... I want to make them feel it. You know what I mean? Or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. So is that like more and more like going with your feeling and like letting that be how you express your beauty? Is that approach changed over the years or is it kind of always been like that? I think that in the beginning of my transition, just like, you know, my teen years, it was exploratory. Being feminine and all of that was always with me. I was the flaming queen on the playground who stuck out and, you know, listen, I would square up and fist fight if I had to, but it was a queen. And so it was like, okay, she's feminine, but she's stern. Don't mess with her. And then like, in terms of self-expression, it was like bits and pieces came out through adolescence. And then, you know, I was so unique in my youth with my style, it was like very, I guess it would be very non, like non-binary back in the 90s, you know, we called it androgynous. 
uh, I had the the finger waves like Missy Elliott and the long nails and the and the FUBU jeans and the Tims and it was giving Kant, but like you know around the way Kant and um, <laughs> and then as I began to transition and take estrogen and bloom as a woman. I started to, you know, kind of feel more hyper femme or I felt like I had to feel more hyper femme. And it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe a decade into living every day as a woman or presenting as a woman that I started to feel like, God, this is a lot to, to, to put on. And I miss, I miss the side of me that that played sports and was also a tomboy. And why can't those things coexist? Because we are not one thing. None of us are one thing. And so I I had to kind of, it took a while to kind of figure it all out and understand that different days are going to be different things. And I, and I don't have to be one thing. Oh, I love that. It's so beautiful. I was thinking about how I love that you embody that earlier, but I loved it, how you put words to that. Okay, so... So whether you're headed to set or a red carpet, you are not a stranger to the hair and makeup chair. How has HMU helped you embody different characters like Monica? Like, as an actress, like, does that relationship in the glam chair, does that help you bring a lot more to the character? Oh, yeah. I mean, hair and makeup, it helps me with my character work incredibly because I feel like it's getting into uniform. And if you've ever worked a job where you had to have a uniform it definitely tells you what time it is, right? So with Monica, it was very bare bones. I mean, it was just, it was just raw skin, no foundation, maybe a little mascara, natural waves, diffused waves with some good curl cream and just being raw. That's That was the through line for me was to just be bare my soul in that film. And uh, I wore jeans and a button down and, and some Timberland boots, most of the movie. And I think just being stripped away like that left room to really center the performance and the intimacy of that character. Monica demanded, she demanded that. There was no room for anything contrived. There was no room for anything artificial. It was very internal, very real, Mm. very raw and open every single day. I think I was naked or crying or both on every single day on set. <laughs> but so, you, you know, the, the hair and makeup, there was something empowering about doing less and letting it just be stripped away to the point where it's like, okay, this is me getting to bear my soul for the audience, for Monica, for this experience, for every Monica across the land who I, you know, I get, I get letters from trans women all over the world who deeply identify with her and her journey and, and, and the movie. So yeah, it was freeing. It was freeing to just not have to do very much in terms of that with her. It was beautiful simplicity, I think. Has Monica, after having played her, like has she informed your sense of beauty now? Has she been part of your evolution of like, however I want to express, or like has any of the characters that you played kind of affected your long-term sense of beauty and self-expression? I'm not sure. I think I think because I've I've already lived such a full life, you know, I'll be 42 next month. I kind of already found my groove and understand the variety of of what I have to give on a, on any given day in terms of like hair and makeup and beauty. But if she did teach me anything, 
It's that um, I felt beautiful with nothing on. I really did. You know, I felt mm. beautiful in that movie. Just the freckles and the, the different textures on my skin and actually uh, felt youthful in a way that I was surprised to kind of feel. Yeah, I mean, 42 isn't old and not to be like, but like I, you could knock me over with a feather because you're not only feeling youthful and that you look so youthful. I thought like you're so good, honey. Like, <laughs> yes. I also think aging is like a privilege. So like, I just want to make it to like 84 and I like hope someone's going to want to like eat my ass the whole time. Oh, I hope Mark comes through. I hope so too. Let's here's to ass eating in our eighties. Yes. Like I just don't want to get Shigella. <laughs> yeah. I don't want Shigella in my eighties. Cause like my immune system will probably just have had it. So like, I hope I just, yeah, but like it's probably going to be fine. Probably. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's probably fine. You are a leader. You are really talented. You are someone who people look up to in our community. I feel like, I get a lot of questions about confidence and I would imagine that you get a lot of questions about how you feel confident and which also kind of pisses me off sometimes because I'm like, why wouldn't I be confident? But if someone is struggling with like expression or like beauty or how they want to like see themselves in the world, do you have any advice? Mm, That's a tough one. I think for me, confidence came, it came out of survival and, uh, not letting them win because I was, I was heavily bullied as a kid, as a femme kid. And I think being, being reared in the ballroom scene also kind of like there wasn't room for you to give them an inch cause they would take it and run with it. And so it was very much like, no girl, I know I'm that girl. And that is in itself is contagious and, rejecting the fact that this world tells me I'm not that girl. I mean, look at Beyonce. She made a whole album about it. It's saying to the world, this is how you're going to treat me because I know I deserve, I know I deserve what everyone else deserves. And that's a hard thing to learn, but it's almost like putting on a character sometimes. It's like, uh, you've heard the term, if you're not buying it, I'm not buying it. Or, you know, it, whatever that is. It's Mm. like, I have to know it. Even on the days when I may not know it, I have to at least try to fake it till I make it. And um, I'm not going to let them see me sweat. So I don't know, you know, I don't have it every day. And some days, some days I lock myself in the house and I'm under the covers and I don't feel like shit and I don't feel beautiful. Uh, But I think when I go out to the world, especially in this industry, I do my best to put on my armor and some of my armor is confidence and um, just knowing my worth. So I say all that to say, it just takes practice. It takes practice to, to know what you deserve and to be in your confidence. And it's okay if you don't have it every day. Not everyone, nobody has it every day. The most beautiful people on this earth don't have it every day. And beauty is subjective anyway. So fuck all that. Oh my God, I'm resonating so hard. I'm like going to sprain my neck. Okay, so I want to get into ballroom. I also have like one more question that's like kind of a long... Okay, so 
Is there anything, like, let's say you had like a bestie or like, let's say it's like Johnny, Sibley, or like me, or it's like someone, but like, but we don't know anything about being on camera and it's like your wedding day or like the first time you're going on camera, like you're going to go do carpet or something. Has there ever been like a thing where you're like, don't do this because on camera, like this one time I used like bronzer instead of topics on my hairline, this like brown bronzer <laughs> on my hairline to try to like fill in my hairline. But then in the camera, it just, I had these like, floating deep brown islands in my hair recessions. And I was like, it's better to just have like, you know, my natural hairline than like a weird brown smudge that isn't the texture of hair. Because uh, you could really tell that someone basically colored like brown crayon, like right in my like receding <laughs> hairline area. <laughs> it's not look cute. So like, I would not advise that. Have you learned any like, that you're like, don't do this or like, do do this. It looks really good on flash or something. Oh yeah. I mean, I think a lot of makeup artists will go to the traditional contour of my whatever I guess they try to like make the cheekbones higher or something Uh, but what I find with my face my jaw is already kind of prominent and so when you when you put the bronzer too high or you're contouring or you're and then you're you're highlighting the jaw it's almost like it makes my face bottom heavy so I'm like no 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 just do some bronzer hit the bronzer a little lower, you know, make me a little more ovals. And I don't even mind if you contour my jaw, but just like, don't, don't make my face bottom heavy. Um, That's one thing I have to kind of constantly tell makeup artists. Well, that's the thing with contour. It's like, if you know what you're doing, like for sure, but ultimately the way that contour works is like dark colors, like recede the area or make it appear like smaller and light colors, like open it and make it appear bigger. So if you put the shading or the lightning on the wrong part of the face, you can end up accentuating. So if you don't really understand your face shape, or especially I think if you're like newer to makeup, like that's giving like graduate level, like 201, like 202, like, you know, like that's like your sophomore year of makeup, like the contouring bit. So like, if you don't know what's up, then especially if you're a makeup artist, is what I hear Trey saying. Don't go ham if you don't know how to do it. Yeah, or just understand that everybody's face is unique. Everybody's face shape is unique and people are going to need contouring in different areas. And maybe just ask the person instead of just going into autopilot, like, oh, well, I'm just going to contour this and highlight this. And, you know, and instead of taking into account that everybody's perimeter of their face is different and you have to be custom. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Okay. So now going to the ballroom. So you're also no stranger to New York's ballroom scene. Can you share what ballroom is and what it means to you? Ballroom is an entire culture. It is a saving grace for a lot of queer and trans people, specifically youth. As a young person in New York, just finding my way on my own. I was lucky to fall into the arms of the icon Stanley Milan, who is um, a legendary New Way voguer. He does like stretch and New Way, which is the style of Vogue that he is an expert in. He also walks labels and some other things, Sex Siren and whatnot. But he was a father to me in every way. (laughs) I mean, you know, beyond walking balls and, and the competition aspect, It was crying on his shoulder for various life's hardships or, you know, him helping me move brown boxes throughout Brooklyn. I don't even know how many times I moved in my 20s, but like I was going through a lot and um, he was always there for me. And it was just like a family aspect that I was craving and needing and deserving of at the time. So ballroom to me, the through line for ballroom is family. 
and the competition for me is secondary. But I think in a world that isn't built to validate trans people, queer people, people of color, I think it's a space that says, oh, no, we're going to celebrate everything that you were put down for or bullied for your entire life up until this point. We're actually going to celebrate those things. So for me as a transsexual woman, as a femme queen, that's what we call it in the ballroom scene. If you are a trans woman on hormones and you walk those femme queen categories, they celebrate your femininity, which is probably something that you were put down for or rejected from your family for or bullied for your whole life. Um, And so all of a sudden you're winning a trophy for being this thing that the world told you was bad. Mm. And that's what it was for me in the very early, like 2001, 2002. Those years were so important for me to just go and feel loved and to try and feel beautiful because I wasn't always whatever you're seeing now. Like I, it was a process. I didn't, I didn't pop out like this, you know, it was a hard fought win. So those years for me were really important and, and just having the family, you know, I don't think I'd be alive if I didn't have my family in the ballroom scene. Thank you so much for sharing that. I also hate when I get like weird. I just thank you for sharing that. And I love you so much. So how has ballroom like shaped your sense of like beauty and self-expression? Because those are like this formative years. You're around this like gorgeous artistic expression and just it's like beautiful diversity of artistic expression. Like how did that shape your sense of beauty? Well, ballroom is unapologetic. I think, I think queer culture and queer beauty it's always been a, like a little louder than whatever the mainstream trend is. And so in a lot of ways, it's the hyper femininity. It's the uniqueness. Again, another Beyonce reference, <laughs> an alien superstar. She talks about being unique. And um, I don't know. It's just this unapologetic cutting edge thing that for some people could be seen as like tacky or over the top. But I think, I think if you do it right, it can be a new trend. And so individuality is another word that comes to mind. Like I pulled from the femme queens of the 90s, like Octavia Saint Laurent and Jennifer Legend and Anjanae, Anjanae Milan, Anjanae Mugler. Just those women, Tracy Africa. You know, I, I remember seeing Misha Milan walk a ball one time and she had this bun she had this bone snatched bun with these shades and she was just she came out pumping and she knew exactly when to take off the shades and sell it to the room and you know those women watching them molded me in a way that learned how to kind of sell it or move a crowd again going back to confidence it was just like I know what I am and I know what I deserve. I know that might make you feel uncomfortable, but I'm not any less deserving. And there's a saying in the ballroom scene that is make them know it, make them know it. And I I try to do that anytime I hit a carpet or anything, I'm always trying to make them know it. It's just, uh, you know, it's like, learn me, boo, you know, like this is me and I'm not going to apologize for being me. And so that I think that just radiates, that radiates outward. And the ballroom scene just, just kind of taught me that, that inner light. I was also a teenage drag queen. So some of that is all 
melded together. You know, that was my intro to entertainment and womanhood. Sidebar, also not to keep like being like, have you tried this and that? But what have, have we done our, <laughs> I'm so codependent. <laughs> have you done a memoir yet? Like when's the book deal happening? Cause no, I haven't. like growing up, like coming up in the nineties and early aughts in New York city with like, yeah, I was born in Kentucky, raised in Dayton, Ohio, moved out when I was 18, visited New York when I was 19. Yeah, it was just, and uh, I think for me, it was just, it was a very interesting time because the 90s were coming to an end. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, the world, in terms of like being trans back then, the world didn't know what to do with us. And all we had were these talk shows where you would see Mimi yes. Marks and all of these other women, you know, um, Caroline Cossey, Paris, France. I remember a few, like, trans men, too. Like, an intersex people who were, like, their gender was male, but they were assigned female at birth because they were intersex. I feel like I remember, like, seeing, like, one or two of those type of people. But yeah. it was, like, almost tabloid fodder or, like, clickbait of the time because it was, like, before internet. But, like, it's, like, if someone said that on, like, the Jerry Springer show, like, come back for this like, then you were going to watch. It was tabloid fodder. It was very tabloid. And it was so unfortunate because we know that trans people have been here since the beginning of time. And our history has basically just been erased or omitted. And so, to I think, the masses, some people still think that being trans is a new thing. And it's definitely not. It's been here since the beginning of time. Uh, our ancestors you know, in different cultures were actually revered. And so it's frustrating when we don't get to see our history in the same way or our examples of our stories. Um, there's just so much, so much to uncover. But yeah, it was it was definitely an interesting time. And, and at some point I will write a memoir. I'm not I'm not ready to do that until I'm older. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm lucky or blessed enough to live to be 80, you're going to keep us waiting that long, but what about like a Maya Angelou approach where it's like, I know why the cage bird sings that gets us from like birth to like, you know, now then you like, then like the follow-up you could like that follow-up could be more in like, you know, yeah. like, maybe 20 years. That could be like part two. Mm. And then maybe, I, I, no pressure, maybe. but I'm just saying I would read the fuck out of it. It would be an NYT best fucking seller. Oh, it would be juicy. I mean, it would be definitely, it would, oof, when you think about the affairs and the, oof. Come on, Trace. There's a lot there. There's Maybe a just lot. start writing stuff. Just start writing stuff. It doesn't have to go anywhere. Just pour it out on a screen somewhere. Just I did, start writing I did your write thoughts. an outline at one point in time, and then I realized, oh my goodness, there's a lot of trauma here that I'm not ready to dive into until I feel safe. Now, when that safe feeling comes, I don't know. I have a feeling it might be maybe after this year. I think I need to kind of get to that plateau, that point first before I can dive back into my life's journey and and all that comes with it you know and I and I wouldn't want to do it if I had to half-ass it or censor myself there's a lot of things that are touchy with family with love you know men in the public eye just shit that I don't know if I could even go there in the way that I would want to or feel safe to until I reach a different place in my life but I hear you yeah someday that's a really good shout because I thought I was ready and then I 
Got the most intense vulnerability hangover I've ever had. And that shit lasted like a couple mm. of years. I feel like I only came out of that hole like just a little bit ago. So uh, that's a really good shout. <sighs> Voicemail question. This is Tia and I desperately need your help. So I'm in the military. So my hair is in a bun every single day. I don't slick it back. I don't use any products because I've just so much breakage. Yeah, I just have really thin hair. And I just, it's so shitty. So I was wondering, number one, what I should do to take care of it. I've watched every single one of your videos, so I have like a pretty decent idea. But also, what am I doing on the days that I'm not washing my hair? Like, do I get it wet? Do I rinse it? Do I put other shit in there? I need your <laughs> so bad. Tia, we got you covered. Mm. I know what I would say. Do you have thoughts, Trace? I have a thought for those off days when you want to feel like you've done something, but you don't quite know what to do. I think I love a spritz and then a bun and let it dry for an hour and then pull it down. And it's got this wave and it's good. You don't have to use a lot of product. So it looks fuller than it is. And yeah, it's not weighed down. I don't know. What do you say? Uh, that's a real. So basically, you're saying like do like a little bit of like a light leave in, uh, not so it's soaking wet. Just like do a light little mist, do a loose little top bun with a little hair tie, but don't let it fully dry because we're not getting any creases in here, honey. And then we're just taking her out and we're just doing. It's almost like a quick little heatless wave set. A heatless wave set, yes, with just like a, a nice little neat, even a neat bun with a bobby pin, and you let yes. that kind of do its bobby thing. Bobby pin, yes. You know, like do do that first and then do the rest of your zhuzh and then pull that down before you step outside or whatever. And it'll be bouncy and wavy. I mean, I kind of just throw my hair up in a bun when I don't know what to do with it and then pull it down later. And I want a little wave and I don't feel like putting heat on it, you know. You do have that really lucky hair, though, where it's like it's like wavy naturally. Like you have like that. It's like really pretty hair like it's like oh, we actually actually we both kind of do it's like kind of like I mean we deserve like we deserve like wins like we deserve wins I don't want to no we do like I don't want to like tempt it like I'll probably like wake up with my hairline in the pillow tomorrow so like please don't come for me universe um but uh do you have Italian in you I feel like that's the Italian in me that I makes did it. just get I did just get my 23 in me it's funny you ask and it turns out I am 1.9 percent Italian hey paisan which part so Southern or it's a southern. It did. It's okay, a southern. Yes. And I was like, oh my god, is that like why I do like get like really like I get like a gorgeous tan in my little like wavy brown hair? Like <laughs> Arriva Derche, honey. I didn't even know. I love uh, but it. I was like, I was like, you know, mostly like 99% or like 90, like very mostly English and Irish. I will say it was it was a little. I wanted to get like whatever sign, whatever it's whatever. <laughs> um, okay, so Tia, though, but for this tight militaristic bun that you're having to rock, uh, I'm not trying to like hawk my shit, but uh, whether it's my pre-wash scalp oil, you need some sort of scalp treatment for that tension, for the alo, for the just for any sort of potential traction alopecia. If you already have naturally thin hair and you're having to like slick it back every day, as soon as you get home from work, get the bun out of your hair. Do like some sort of scalp treatment. You don't have to do that every single day, but on your wash days, do some sort 
sort of scalp treatment. I love our pre-wash scalp oil. It has turmeric, which is decongesting for any of the, like for just the sweat sebum oil that you're getting in the buildup. So turmeric's going to decongest. Rosemary increases blood flow. Sorry, Trace, I'm freaking out um, when I talk about hair stuff. That's um, okay. The, the, I love it. The, the, the turmeric, the rosemary, and then also it has neem oil, which has been used in Ayurvedic, in Ayurvedic medicine for thousands of years to heal burns, skin, plants. It's just like a really beautiful healing oil. And then it also has bisabolol, which comes from chamomile, which is really powerfully anti-breakage. So if, if your hair is like fine and you're putting it in a tight bun every day, we don't want it to break and we don't want it to become fragile. So a scalp treatment that you run through your ends is going to be very helpful, like our pre-wash scalp oil, or there's other ones too. So I look out for that. Do that on your wash days. And then I would say on the days when you're not washing your hair, I would not get it wet. Uh, you don't need to like wet it and dry it if you're not washing it. But I think for you, because of the way that like, I think military people have to like wear the hair all slicked straight back. I would say like brush it and brush it down so that it's not all back so that like you don't have that much tension on your hairlines. And get a silk pillowcase, a silk pillowcase. Yes! Yes, Trace! <laughs> and also when you sleep, don't put tension on your hairline and just do silk scrunchies. And when you sleep, like no tension on your hairline, especially because you're having to wear it so it tends to work. Okay, Trace, it's our final segment. It's kind of... Well, actually, the first question isn't rapid fire, but then after that, it becomes rapid fire. Okay. So we know that beauty never sleeps, but we do. We get tired and I need my sleep. And uh, I do have like an un-getting ready with me routine that I typically do, but we want to know yours. Like, let's say... Let's say you went out. Let's say there was their glam happened. What happens when you get home before bed? So I will slather on some kind of oil, like uh, Mario Badascu makes a good one that you can put in, you know, all over. Or I'll do like a double cleanse, like like a melt. I think Fenty has one. Like ponds, yeah, just or like, like an a old cold school, cream, like ponds, like, ponds, cold cream. I have that. Yes. Ponds cold cream. Sometimes I'll do that. I use that to take off my eye makeup. The puns, it's like, it's old school. Yeah, but it's like, I love it. I, I feel love like sometimes start with an oil or a cold cream or a melt, like a, a double cleanse situation. Just mess it all up. You look crazy. And then I'll just reach for like a Mac wipe and just wipe that shit off. Give it a splash. And then I'll do like a night cream, a good night cream. And that's it. Or sometimes a little Vaseline or like, you know, balm around the eyes just so that that's nice and plump in the morning. Laneige makes a good lip mask. I love that sleeping lip mask. Yeah. I love that. I've used that before. Yes. Have you seen that TikTok thing or it might be on IG too of it's like, it's like it's like a stitch video and she's like if you're not getting home from the club and like showering and doing your skincare like what are you doing and then like the stitch video comes in and this lady is just like ah like this like hamburger and then she just like passes <laughs> out it's so funny <laughs> <laughs> we gotta see that okay I it's do really do funny. that sometimes too sometimes that's happening before <laughs> the skincare and let's be honest sometimes I don't always do the skincare before bed sometimes I just go to bed and I wake up looking crazy. <laughs> or if I'm pulling some trade or have a man over or something, the makeup is staying on, honey. I got really into like eye makeup in the last year. My friend Alok has been saying to me like, 
why don't you wear eye color? And I also had like, I had a drag queen phase when I was like 17, 18. And then I was a makeup artist when I very first started doing hair. And I kind of have just, when you go to hair school, like you do a whole makeup, like, like yeah. I just, I did all the colors on my face. I did, I, I did that when I was like in my late teens and early twenties. So as an adult, and especially being on camera, I was more of just like, I want like my daily look. And I just want to know what that is. I wasn't trying to like learn how to do extra things. And the look was like, I want to see you use some color. Like what the fuck? Like what gives? You're this expressive, fashionable person, but then you won't put any color on your face. Like, what is that about? And so then they finally, after a couple of years, I was like, I do want to start doing colors. And now I got like, I just got, I don't know where I put it, but I got like palettes on palettes on palettes. I've been really experimenting with my, just with my makeup game. But then y'all, truth and moment, I am a human and I clean my brushes once a week, but I got a fucking sty on my, I got like that thing in my eye like two weeks ago. It was so painful. I got a sty too this year. Yes. And it's some of worst. it is from like, I think some of it's like not washing the face all the way. And I will say, I feel like there have been nights where I just get really tired. And so, and I may not, like when I get home from the thing, I may not go wash my face right away. I like wait till before bed because I got to take my HIV mm-hmm. pill anyway. But now my new thing is, I've really been on this for like the last month. Don't wait till bedtime. Like it's, when I'm done with dinner or like, like eight o'clock or so, because I usually just like pass out naturally at like nine or nine thirty, unless I'm like on tour or working. Like I just wash my face when I get home now and I do my skincare when I get home. So I'm not waiting later when I'm like passed out and I have noticed that's really helped. Yeah. Well, I realized I'm going to stop doing the up under the lash line liner pencil situation. It's just not worth it to me. But I like the waterline. I know, but I, I don't know if it's worth it. I mean, yeah, I literally have like a white head on mine, like literally like right now. It's disgusting. I got to like do a warm soak, which I was told that warm soaks are great. And I do notice that they like really relieves the pressure and it makes it heal faster. Okay, Trace, what is your go-to budget beauty recommendation? Budget beauty recommendation. I mean, I love drugstore products. I love L'Oreal. I'm, that's probably my go-to with moisturizer and skincare and, you know, Revital Lift Cleanser and Age Perfect Moisturizer with 25 SPF and... I love just drugstore beauty. I'm an around the way bitch. It's good. No, it's good though. And some of it's like really good. I got to say it's true. What's your favorite splurge recommendation? Like what is something that you'll just get mm. a little coinsy for? We love it. Oh, Chanel foundation. I will get splurgy for that. Or some Fenty, like, well, they're kind of mid-level, I guess. But like Fenty color or palettes, you know, I will do that. Joanna Vargas exfoliator. I like I like the JVN shampoo, oh! but, but I don't have to pay for that because sometimes it just comes for free. I love that you use it. I love that you love it. What is your like must keep in stock recommendation? Like you've never run out of it because you always have two. I love this L'Oreal moisturizer, the age perfect one that Viola Davis is always in commercials for. But I also love, have you heard of Native? like deodorant yes, and yes, body wash. Yes, yes. I live for that company. It's just feel it's just feels so like bare bones and pure and I fuck with their body wash hard. Yeah, the powder and cotton body wash or the cotton and lily deodorant smells like heaven on earth. So I'll do that with like Vaseline intensive care cocoa butter lotion, the the cocoa butter scented one in the brown bottle. That combination the trade will be licking you from head to toe, okay? And a little, and don't don't let you slide into a little bit of Creed perfume or some Versace Bright Crystal on top of that. They will be salivating, honey, treating you like the goddess you are. 
Uh, Trace, I also think they'll read the skincare campaign from earlier. If I was a buyer and I saw you using fucking L'Oreal Age Perfect and then talking about it on a podcast, I would be knocking your agent's door down so fucking hard with two feet. Like just, ah, like where's the contract? You know what I'm saying? Okay, slaying seconds or storage. Slaying, a new product that you're obsessed with right now. And it can totally be something that you've already said. Oh, this diamond bomb from Fenty, the Rose Rave diamond bomb. It's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's this reflective kind of creamy powder that I put on my cheekbones, I put on my collarbone, I put on my titties, I put it on my eyelids, I put it down the center of my nose to contour. It is pinky and rosy and luxe and... I don't know. I'm in love with the packaging too. So yeah, I'm, I'm all about that. It's pretty. Okay. We love that for seconds. What's a product that deserves a comeback. It's like not fierce these days, but it was once upon a time you want it back. Oh my goodness. There was a Paula Dorf cream blush called disco that I used to buy over 20 years ago. I still have one from 20 years ago. <laughs> Side note, don't use for makeup from 20 years ago. Don't be like me. But I have a little bit left in the pot, and sometimes I use that. And it's like buttery, bronzy kind of like salve that I have not found anywhere else. Come back, Jack. Come back. There's enough room on the board. Lady, come back. Disco cream. Come on, Paula. Um, Okay, so we got that. Okay, storage. What's something that's uh, had its day in the sun? You don't want to see any more BDYs. You're over it. It's storage. Put it away. In storage. uh, People might drag me for this. No pun intended. But I'm kind of over all of the drag contouring and the over contouring and the... It's like, I don't know. I just feel like sometimes it's played out. But to each their own. So I, I, I always want people to be unique and do what's right for them. But sometimes I think... Sometimes I think the over contouring and the over baking with all of the powder it does a disservice to what's actually going on on your, like under there, like your natural bone structure and your face. And some people will be like, Oh, well, some people might be like, well, that's easy for you to say, but like, I don't know. I think that skin sometimes can be the priority. And when you, when you, when you over bake the skin, like it can just look chalky on the cheekbones and it's not cute. I know it's a part of drag culture. Like I used to do it when I was a showgirl in my teens. But I think sometimes there's a better way. I also think it's like if you need that to feel like confident enough to like leave the house, then I think it's like that's I feel like so not I don't think you're you know no one's gonna drag you for that, but it's like I like a, a world where you can do all of it, but it, like you don't have to do that to feel pretty. Yeah, I'm not saying don't contour if you want to contour, but contour the right way. Just don't. Exactly. I don't want to see. I don't want to see chalky white cheekbones anymore. Centerful beauty moment. What's an iconic look that inspires you to this day? I loved your ballroom example earlier, but it, it can be that. It can be any anything. An iconic look that inspires me to this day. Oof. I would say. Mm, and you could probably find the clip of this, the iconic Anjanae Mugler look when she pumps out from the back of the runway in the ball in the ballroom scene. Uh, there's a clip of her coming from down from the balcony. She wasn't going to walk face, and they're like, Anjanae, are you coming, girl? Are you coming? And she hits the floor right as 
uh, Diana Ross's song, Love Hangover, hits the beat and she pumps on beat. And she's in this white, short, I think it's a halter white dress. And her hair is just long and all one length. And it's like bouncing and she's tossing it and she's giving you face and body. It's effortless femme queen bombshell. Ah. Effortless transsexual bombshell. And I think about that look a lot. What's a recent beauty moment that stopped you in your tracks? Selma Hayek stops me in my tracks. I don't know. I love her Instagram. I love that she's still in a, you know, in her bathing suit, bearing her bombshell body all the time, unapologetically in her 50s. Same thing with J-Lo. I think those women in their 50s and 60s and even older, like when they are not afraid to still be sexy, that stops me in my tracks. Mm. What's a beauty look we've yet to see but absolutely need? I already know what mine is, which is Traceless Set as the face of L'Oreal. I never, <laughs> no offense to Eva Longoria, I love her so much, but I'm so ready for like the national commercial and I don't want it shared with 12 people. No, I love a 12-person shared campaign. That's great. I love that. <laughs> but I want a solo primary Traceless Set. Fucking, that's what I want. That's what oh I want. God. And I'm asking myself the question. I love you. I'm going to second that. I mean, listen, I think yes. I, just, I, I would love for the bombshell to come back. Like the unapologetic bombshell look. And it would be dope if they accepted transsexual women into that as well. I think sometimes, and this is a really complicated topic, but I think sometimes when I've been up for a campaign or something and they want somebody trans they sometimes don't want someone as binary or as bombshell or as sexy. And because to the general audience who may not know me, they might just be like, well, who's this white bitch with this body? Like, we don't, I don't know what's going on there. Like, how is that trans representation? You know, because I've been told you don't look trans enough or we can't, we're looking for someone who quote unquote looks trans. And that is a hard pill to swallow sometimes because I'm like, well, my experience is very trans and I didn't always look you know, this, whatever. So that's frustrating to me because it's almost like, don't you get that me being a trans woman looking like this is, is, is provocative as fuck, not only for straight men who have to then digest and break down why they may feel whatever they feel when they look at a transsexual woman like me, but because it is also, it is also unapologetic hyperfemininity, whatever, you know, sexiness that to me is also a part of feminism. It should be. And so it raises a lot of questions beyond, I guess, the cover of the book. Like, I think a lot of times we're reduced to the cover of whatever it is, like the shell of who we are. So yeah, I would like to, I would like to see bombshell femme queens marketed more unapologetic in the way that we are presented to the world. I don't think that, I think sometimes I miss out on opportunities because of the way that I present or the way that I've kind of like journeyed into my womanhood. Well, for me, it's been such an honor to like get to witness you. And I know that you were like only on an ascent. Your career is, it's only getting bigger, but I think it's like, it's, I hope you have your seatbelt on for like the, like, it's not even like a, you need like that body thing because you're going to be on like the spaceship <laughs> that never blows up, honey. It's just, it's just going and it's going to keep going. And I, and it, that's happening for you. And I love you. And I've just, 
I just love you. And I'm so proud of you. And I just, I love you too. Thank you. Uh, I, I hope I just you're love right. You so much. <laughs> I know I am. It's weird. I think I might get kicked out of here for being so right. <laughs> also. So, so people, you're, I, cause I'm all up on your gram. I've been following the gram for years. Cannot recommend it enough. Let's follow along on the Instagram. We will include that link on this episode description and Monica, watch it now. See yes. it now. Share it now. Talk to everybody about it now because it does have its SAG after waiver. So listen, uh, we got to promote as much as we can. We're up against, you know, larger projects that have a lot of money behind them. And um, and so, yeah, we are allowed to talk about Monica. We should celebrate it. It is historic. The, the moment at Venice was historic. Uh, it was a first. And we want more stories that center trans people across the gender spectrum. And I think we got to champion the ones that get a foot in the door, the ones like this. We got, we need, you know, we need those few projects that do kind of eke in to do well so that we can have more, more say so behind these annoying gates of Hollywood. <laughs> mm. Trace Lissette, I love you so much. Thank you for coming on Pretty Curious. Thank you for sharing yourself with us. We love you so much and we cannot wait to talk to you again. Thank you for coming on Pretty Curious. I love you, honey. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Pretty Curious with me, Jonathan Van Ness. You can learn more about this week's guest in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. And you can follow us on Instagram at Curious with JVN. Pretty Curious drops every other Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to tune in next Monday for an episode of Curious Now and every Wednesday for Getting Curious. But you still can't get enough, Queen? I feel you. You can subscribe to Extra Curious on Apple Podcasts for commercial free listening and our subscription-only show, Ask JVN, where we're talking sex, relationships, and so much more. Our engineer is Nathaniel McClure. Our theme music is also composed by Nathaniel McClure. Pretty Curious is produced by me, Erica Ghetto, Chris McClure, and Allison Weiss, with production support from Julie Carrillo, Ann Curry, and Chad Hall.